live from the MacGyver Project Studios in sunny, warm Wisconsin. It's Nick with the Olympic Legends Podcast. So last episode we talked about the 1960 Rome Summer Olympics, and we're going to stay in that time period uh, in this episode with my guest today, who is Dave Sim, a silver medalist in the 100 meters in those Olympics. Uh, I read about Dave in David Marinus's Rome 1960 book, and I was interested in his story, uh, and I'm really excited to get a chance to speak to him. Um, before I call him, let me give you uh, some background on him. Uh, so he was born in 1936 and grew up outside New York City. Uh, he's one of those people who was a naturally gifted athlete at any sport he tried. Uh, in high school, he was a star football, baseball, and basketball player, and he even won a speed skating competition as a kid in uh, Madison Square Garden. Um, he was recruited to play football by my alma mater, Notre Dame, uh, and also by Vince Lombardi at West Point, um, but he went to Duke to play baseball. Um, he hadn't even run track until he got to Duke, but he quickly became a superstar and set or equaled several world records, including in the 100-yard dash. Uh, he also ended up playing football at Duke, and he even beat Notre Dame uh, when he was there, uh, which I'm not happy about, but... I can forgive him for that. Um, and he ended up getting drafted by the Detroit Lions, which he declined to go to medical school. Um, in 1956, uh, at 20 years old, he was considered the fastest man in the world. Um, but before the Olympics, he had a horseback riding accident, and he hurt his leg, and so he uh, missed the games. Um, the gold medal winner in the 100 and 200 that year was American Bobby Morrow, who Dave had beaten um, consistently that year, um, so it's a shame that he got hurt when he was at the top of his game. Um, and then in 1960, he was sick during the lead-up to the games, but was still able to run. Uh, he won the silver medal in the 100 meters and lost out on gold by the narrowest of margins to German Armin Harry in a photo finish. Um, and then in the 4x100 relay, he had an amazing anchor leg where he started from behind, but then caught up uh, to the Germans and crossed the line first in world record time. Uh, but unfortunately, one of the handoffs from earlier in the race, uh, which he wasn't involved in, um, occurred outside the handoff zone, and so the U.S. was disqualified. Um, so his Olympic legacy is somewhat bittersweet, but his accomplishments are still incredible. Um, silver medalist, and I mentioned the world records he set and how he was drafted by the Lions. Uh, he's also named Duke University's most outstanding athlete of the 20th century, uh, which is no small feat because Deuce had some great athletes over the years. Um, he then became a top uh, ophthalmologist and eye surgeon and worked with the Miami Dolphins um, and took care of um, Don Shula's and Bob Greasy's eyes, um, just to name a, a few of the Dolphins. Uh, and he's also been um, actually in the news a little bit lately because his grandson, um, Christian McCaffrey, is one of the leading contenders for the Heisman Trophy um, on Halloween, college game day on ESPN did a profile of Christian and mentioned his athletic family, including Dave. Uh, Dave's daughter, Lisa, Christian's mother, played soccer at Stanford, um, and she married Ed McCaffrey, who was a wide receiver at Stanford and NFL. Um, I'm originally from Allentown, Pennsylvania, and that's where Ed played high school football. Um, he was just a little before my time, but I remember his younger brother, Billy, being a local high school basketball star who uh, then went on to play at Duke where he won a national title, um, and then he played at Vanderbilt also. Um, so Ed and Lisa's oldest son, Max, play 
uh, plays wide receiver at Duke. Um, and, and then Christian is an all-purpose running back at Stanford, who, as of this taping, is leading the NCAA in all-purpose yards and might actually break Barry Sanders' all-time record for yards in a season. Um, and he could very well win the Heisman Trophy. Um, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but if both teams keep winning, Notre Dame and Stanford could play in the last game of the year with a spot um, to the college football playoff on the line. So um, Dave's family has the opportunity to inflict some pain on my fighting Irish once again. Um, and one last thing I forgot to mention about Dave's story is that um, before the 1960 Olympics, uh, right before it started, he was approached by the CIA to help a Russian athlete defect to the United States. Um, he was a long jumper named Igor Tur Avensian. I'm probably not pronouncing that correctly. Um, the government just approached Dave out of the blue to see if he could make contact with Igor at the Olympics. Um, Dave did what he was asked, but then this over-eager CIA agent came in too hard and Igor got spooked and it never materialized. Um, the, the Mariners book goes into more detail about that episode. Um, uh, and I'd been wondering why Dave was chosen, but, um, but the book suggested it was because he was a med student and would have more merit in Igor's eyes. Um, but it's amazing to me he was asked to do that, um, as if the pressure of the Olympics isn't enough, and now he has to have this Cold War drama on his agenda, and he was also physically ill. Um, so it's incredible to me that he was able to overcome all this and still turn in the races that he did in the Olympics. Um, so now that you know some background on Dave, uh, let's give him a call. Hello? Hi, Dave. This is Nick. Okay, let me turn the TV off. Okay. All right. We're, we're cool. Hey, thanks a lot for talking to me today. I appreciate it. No problem. Um, I guess my, my first question for you would be um, – uh, when you when you were a kid, what was your sporting life like? Like, what kind of sports did you like? What kind of sports did you play? Well, I, I did a, I, I did a lot of sports. Um, the greatest thrill I, greatest thrill I ever had in sports was when I was 13 years old. I won the uh, speed skating in Madison Square Garden called wow. the Silver Skates, and I set a record and was on the Daily News, and and that was that was the first big major, you know, thing that I did then. Um, I played baseball and football and basketball in high school. I made all state in baseball, and uh, I, I led the state of New Jersey in scoring as a as a halfback um, on a single wing tail um, tailback. And we won the state championship and made all American. Had about 20 football scholarships, including Notre Dame, okay. <laughs> to, to play football. And um, I. Um, yeah, let's see what did I do. In high school, I batted 513. My sophomore year, I batted 509. My junior year, and 478. My senior year, but I was I was a much better hitter at 478. I hit the long ball, so I did well, and I led the state of New Jersey in scoring, in football, basketball. I made second. I made all county in basketball. So they they that's what I did in high school. I was recruited. Uh, heavily in football, and I had two baseball scholarships. Uh, Vince Lombardi, I had narrowed it down <clears throat> to, um, I had narrowed it down actually to to West Point. I was pretty much snowed. Vince Lombardi was the uh, freshman coach. He visited me twice at the house with a uh, famous um, All-American Heisman Trophy winner, Doc Blanchard. 
and I was really slow, <clears throat> was going to go. My father didn't want me to go to West Point because he wanted me to be a professional athlete. But um, I'm all set to go, and I was up there. We were in North Jersey, so I was visiting, and he said, what do you want to do? I want to be a jet pilot because you had to give him so many years. So, you know, it would have postponed any professional sporting career. So they checked my eyes. I was red, green, colorblind. It was something like someone punched a uh, punched my balloon. And my father said, no way. And I said, no way. So this was late. This was very late in the year, giving up all the football scholarships. And I had a baseball scholarship at Duke. I never ran track in high school. So I went to Duke on a, on a baseball scholarship. And um, in the fall of the year, freshman year, I wanted to stay in shape. So, so they had like they had like a, they had track practice. So I would go down and run. I knew I was fast. My father always stressed speed, and I could beat everyone in my class and the class I had to be in grammar school and high school. And I used to run wind sprints to wind sprints to the, to the school along the railroad tracks, 60-yard dashes home and there. And, and I got to be really, really fast. So anyway, I broke the school record as a freshman at Duke um, and, and ran track on my freshman year. The next year was the Olympic year, and um, made a big breakthrough at the Washington Evening Star Meet. We ran the Philadelphia Inquirer Meet the night before on a Friday night, and uh, in, in the trial heat, uh, someone beat me by about a foot. I, we, we, you know, we had trials, so I came in second. They picked him for last, me for second for last. Didn't qualify for the finals. <clears throat> so we went down to Washington, D.C. for the Evening Star Meet. The uh, Washington Evening Star Meet was a, a sprint series. You had to qualify in the 70. Then you ran a 70, 80, and 100. And uh, I was still seething from the night before and developed, got a whole lot of adrenaline up. Make a long story short, I broke the world's record in the, uh, in, in, in the 70. I ran seven flat, or I think I ran seven flat, seven one, something. So I broke the world's record, and, and there was an ex Olympic champion in the, in, in the field. It was a good field. In the 80, I tied the world's record, and in the 100, I broke the world's record indoors. So I broke two world's records, and that that just uh, catapulted my track career. Next week, ran in the Melrose Games and uh, tied the world's record and won the Melrose Games, Madison Square Garden. And, and during that year, I, I either broke or tied or six six or eight world's records, including indoor and outdoor. And um, was you know, and I, I beat Bobby Morrow, who was the, the the premier sprinter at that time. In Drake relays, it was the first time he'd ever been beaten in a major race. So I'm slated to go, you know, to to be, be a real factor in Olympics. I got injured, injured a groin muscle. Um, make a long story short, unable to go. They wouldn't give me any dispensation as far as coming back and trying out later in the, in the summer because it was the late Olympics in September. This happened in June. So. Um, it was it was a real shake-up tragedy, but one of the best things that ever happened to me in that I, I was able to um, put it put it put it behind me, and uh, and I really started studying hard at Duke, and uh, and, and ended up um, going to medical school. So, you know, out of every good comes out of every bad comes good, and I used that 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 injury, and to um, to really cone down on my studies, and make the deeds this went and uh, and get it get it. I got a scholarship to med school uh, if I tried out for the Olympics in 60. And, um, and I also got drafted by the Lions to play football. So um, I could have gone to Wayne State 
and, and gone to medical school over a six-year period, but I decided to take Duke's offer, and I tried out for the 60 Olympics and made it made it to Rome and uh, won a silver medal. So uh, that's kind of how I got there. Did you know when you were when you, when you were a kid that you had like world class speed, or did you just know that you were fast? I didn't know world class speed. No, that was not a factor. But I, but I did have some like premonitions that I was gonna. I was going to, like, really run fast. I had, like, premonitions when I was early early teens and eighth and ninth grade. It was weird. It was actually weird. And we, and you grew up around New York City area? Did, did you? Uh... Grew up in Patterson, New Jersey. I was born in Patterson, New Jersey. Kind of a place to be, nice place to be from. It wasn't the most beautiful. It was kind of a ghetto. And I was a ghetto kid. I was out of a black gang when I was, like, 10 years old, 11 years old. But then we moved to Fairlawn, which was a suburb of Patterson, and um, that's where I went to school. Seems like that would be a good time to be a, a baseball fan, like that era of New York City baseball. Did you used to go to like Giants or Dodgers? Yeah, or well, I'll tell you a story about that. Um, I, 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 baseball was my big brand, I and mean, I, I really did well early. They had a tryout: New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Connecticut, and um, they picked an all-star team which I made. And we played the AAA Cuban All-Stars uh, from Havana in, in the Polo Grounds. The first time up, I hit a home run over the 370-foot uh, uh, Chesterfield pack in left center field. And the last time up, I hit a home run in right field. Um, so I hit two home runs in the game, and they offered me a bonus at the time. But the deal was you had to go to the majors. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. If you sign a bonus, you had to go to the majors for two years. So I went in and took batting practice with the Giants several times, and, and it was really fun. I mean, I was nervous as hell to go out in center field with Willie Mays, and he was really, really nice to me. Really? And I had a very strong arm, and I'd throw it in at about 12 feet high. He'd throw it in at about 6 feet high. He had a gun, but he was very nice. And I, I can remember, you know, there was a guy named Dusty Rhodes that played for him, and I'd, I'd, I'd get up and hit and, and then he would say, get out of there, kid, you had enough. <laughs> Willie Mays said, let the kid hit, let the kid hit, Dusty. So I'll never forget that. That was cool. And that was when you were 15? 16. Yeah, it was 16. Yeah. Yeah, the Polo Grounds, wasn't that a really big stadium, like in center field? Yeah, it was, yeah. I had in left center, and uh, I had developed a lot of power. My father did this thing called dynamic tension, uh, kind of a almost a um, yoga-type exercise. And, uh, and so I got strong, my upper body got strong. And then I, then I got big between my junior and senior in high school. I was always tall, but um, I got up to around almost 190 between my junior and senior in high school. And I got more powerful, and of course. It really helped me in football, too, because you know, I, I could run over people. And what was, what was Vince Lombardi like? Terrific guy. Most charismatic person I've ever met. And I was I was snowed by him. I'll never forget um, when, when I told him I was going to do it. Of course, he 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 was the freshman coach, and Doc Blanchard was the backfield coach. Oh wow! And yeah, I was really impressed. But uh, I don't think I would have been too happy at West Point. Right? Yeah, I was very independent. You know, you know, I don't think I would have taken orders too well. But at any rate, it all worked out for the best. But the uh, the Packers were down in Miami, and they were working for one of the Super Bowls at Carl G- at U of M, and I was doing my residency in eye surgery. And um, I thought I, I, I came home early one night. I thought I'd go watch him work out and see if I could 
Sea Lombardi. And so the practice was over, and I had my, my lights on, and um, I'm walking up to him, I don't know, I don't know, 30 yards away. He looks at me and says, Dan, he says, Dave Sim, I can't <laughs> believe it's you. And it was, it was great. We had a nice reunion, and he said, you know, you did the right thing. Become a doctor and everything. He said, yeah. uh, I followed your career, so it was cool. That's awesome. But a very, very, very good guy. He said, can, can, you want to suit up for Sunday? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was neat. Great guy. And so the 1956 Olympics, you, you, you got hurt, you, you mentioned. Was that? I pulled a groin muscle, yeah. Yeah, right. was that related to a horse, something about a horse? I was, yeah, like a fool. I was out in California, and, uh, you know, I was a ghetto kid. And this guy said, anything you want to do, had these great quarter horses. And um, he said, you know, would you like to, to ride a horse? I got these great quarter I said, sure. So I get on a quarter horse. It was a great horse. I was a shitty horseman. And we get on a knoll, a little a little hill, and the horse took two steps back. And so instead of kicking him, I pulled back on the reins. So the horse reared up and fell over on my left leg, and I dove off it. But I strained my groin muscle. And then the next meet was the NCAA, and, and I, I ripped it really bad. There was no way I could, could run. Yeah. And then for 1960, when you think back on it, do you feel more – like positive emotion, or do you feel feel regret for not winning gold? Well, you know, if, you, if you're you know a world class athlete, you always you always feel regret if you don't win, you know. And I mean, I won a silver medal. A lot of people have criticized me because you know I wasn't real. I didn't go there to win a silver. They said, well, you should have had the Olympic spirit. That that's you know. I said no. I you know you're a competitor. You want to win. And you know, and I lost. Shit, I lost by. Well, I mean, there's evidence that he jumped the gun, too. I got the pictures that show he clearly jumped the gun. The gun that won. I mean, it sounds like sour grapes. But, you know, he did jump the gun, and it is what it is. I was actually watching the the, the 100 meters, and, it, yeah, it looks like uh, that Armin Harry, like, he does he does get off early, or he, he gets off real quick, um, but then you almost you almost ran him down. Yeah, yeah, a few more yards, I would have run him down, but would have, should have, could have. You always look back. <laughs> what was what was he like as a person? I, I've read that he he seems a little bit. He was an asshole. <laughs> yep. He was an arrogant That's asshole. What I read too. He actually got put in prison. He was he was put in prison for defrauding the Catholic Church on a real estate deal. And uh, I, and what was Jesse Owens like? I, it sounds like he was there. Wonderful the guy. As an advisor. Wonderful, wonderful guy. You know, on my relay he was sitting next to my ex-wife, and and I and I was like a yard behind, and I came uh, came from back one by a yard and a half. And he said, that's the fastest anchor on a relay I've ever seen. Wonderful guy, great guy. Yeah, and then on the relay, it seems like you had had a, a spectacular run, but then there was a bad handoff earlier. In the- there was a bad hand, which also, which also cost us like two, two-tenths of a second, and we broke the world's record by two-tenths. That was, that was sad. I felt bad for my teammates, and I felt bad for myself. Because, you know, it was one of those things, you know, things happen. And with the with the, the whole CIA plot thing, that was pretty well documented in the book. Yeah, that was in the book. Pretty much everything there was 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 right. Um, I was I was I had a cold after we ran pre pre Olympic meets in California, and and I had a little I had flu actually it was going to get a sore throat. And I actually when I went there, we ran the next night in Switzerland, and I came down with a strep throat. So I, I was lucky to get into the finals. I was so weakened, but I was fine for the finals. At any rate, um, the guy knocks on my hotel door. He says, uh, he said, I'm with the CIA, and I want to um, talk to you. He says, can you come to Washington right now? I, I didn't know who he was. Showed me a thing. He says, I didn't know. From, but 
Yeah, yeah, sure. Nationalistic. So he went to Washington and he schooled me on this Russian named Igor Tergovazian. And he, he showed some interest in in um in defecting. He was very westernized. He was he was from the Ukraine. His name is Ar- Armenian with the IAN. And uh, a great guy. And we bonded. I met him, you know, in the training centers and then beautiful training facility and we talked and then the CIA guy came and he said he wants to meet, meet, meet with him. So my ex-wife was there, and so we, we took him to a restaurant. CIA guy came in and kind of blew it. He was too overly aggressive, scared the shit out of him. And uh, the guy said, okay, you and your wife can leave now. He says, no, no, I want them to stay. He said, no, no, I want to talk to you. He starts speaking uh, an Armenian or, or Ukrainian dialect. He said, no, no. He said, I don't trust you. He says, I trust him. So he walked out, and that was it. But they offered him a better deal in Russia. They, you know, they gave him a professorship in the, in the sports college. They gave him a car and they gave him a flat. And he ended up being an assistant track coach, and then he was the head coach for, for a year or two. Do you ever talk to him at all or correspond with him? Well, they, 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 when I was in my internship at Duke, inter, yeah, internship, they called me again. There was a U.S.-Russian meet. Uh-huh. So they flew me up to, to Madison Square Garden got me a, a, a pass, uh, a field pass, and I saw him, and I walked up to him. He goes, oh, David, it's nice to see you. He says, I can't talk to you. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I understand. So, you know, that was it. Okay, but so you've been, like, corresponded with him since then? Like, no, I never corresponded with him since. Okay, because I think he's still alive, isn't he? Is he still alive? I don't know. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and then you became an ophthalmologist? Right. Yeah, I went, you know, I did four years at Duke, did an internship in surgery, and got an eye residency at Bascom Palmer, one of the top two or three in the world, and did a residency there, and then practiced for 40-plus 40, 40 years in Miami, and, and, and did, some, did some early teaching, too. So I had a great career, enjoyed every minute of it. Best decision I ever made was to become an eye surgeon, and happened to, be, happened to hit it just when tremendous strides were being made with lasers and microscopes and things. So it, it was a real challenge. I loved it. And I read that you did some work with the Miami Dolphins. And Yeah, I used to take care of Greasy. That's how I got to meet Shula. In fact, I, I was with him Saturday. He's kind of failing. He's one of my dear friends, as is Greasy. I took care of Bob Greasy's eyes, and that's how I got involved with the Dolphins. So I did all their eye work. So let's talk about your athletic family now for a little bit. Uh, your son-in-law, Ed McCaffrey, played... Um, high school football uh, in Allentown, which is where I'm from. Um, he was a little before my time, but I remember his brother Billy. Yeah, Duke, yeah. Yeah, I can remember he was the top player in the area and then went on to win a national title at Duke. And uh, just a couple weeks ago, I, I noticed Christian Christian McCaffrey's name, and I thought, I wonder if he's related to, to Ed McCaffrey. And sure enough, he was. Yeah, that's, and, his, that's his second son. His oldest son is at Duke. And he's the leading receiver at Duke, and he's a great kid. And then we got Christian, who's average. He was averaging around 300 yards a game, between uh, running and receiving and, and and kickoff and punt returns. And then we got a, got a younger one, who's a junior in high school, and uh, his his name is um, Dylan, and he's six five, 200, I guess 200 plus pounds, and he's being recruited very heavily by Michigan and. A bunch of other schools, and uh, he's a quarterback. Yeah, and, and and Christian is actually like a Heisman contender and pulling up, pulling up all-purpose 
Yeah. All purpose yeah. yards. He's, like he's a real deal. He's really deal. He's a real deal. The kid is. He's like one of the most complete packs I've ever seen. Yeah. Did, did, does he have the? Does he have the like out and out track speed, or is he more just like shifty, or how would you describe his running style? Yeah, he's got he's got good speed. He's got good speed, but he's got great football speed. Yeah. He's able to accelerate, decelerate really quick, and shiftiness. You know, a lot of track guys can't make it in football because they're just dead straight ahead. I wish I could give him two tens. <laughs> He'd be unstoppable. But um, no, but he's got good speed, and you know, he'll break, he'll break break plays, and he's he's doing good. I'm so proud of him. Yeah. Well, I I, I also read that you had you would play against Notre Dame when you were at Duke, and so and I went to Notre Dame, and now he he has a chance to play against Notre Dame in a big game. So your Last family can do some year, more yeah, damage yeah, against yeah. Our, our school. <laughs> so I imagine do you do you watch them whenever they're on TV? Yeah, I fortunately got the Pac-12, the Pac-12 network. Okay. Oh, nice. So I got all the. I've seen every one of his games. Unfortunately, I'm I'm in remission on a, a lung cancer, and I'm I'm doing all right, but. Um, and I need rest, but Christ, when they play, they start at 10.30, finish at 2. I got so much adrenaline on board, I can't go to sleep until 3.30. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, their game against Notre Dame is going to um, uh, – That gonna... could be come down to it because yeah. they were very fortunate to win that game against um, right. Washington State. Right. They were very fortunate to win that. Right. I, and I actually saw you on um, – I don't know if you watch College Game Day at all, but they did a little piece on Christian, and they, they mentioned yeah, his, I did see that. I his did athletic see that. family, and there's a picture of you, which is cool. Yeah. Saturday, my grandson, other grandson, plays for Duke, and I they got that. screwed. Yeah, they fired. Mm-hmm. Did you yeah. see that? I did. Oh, you got to pull that up. They Against U of M. They, they had three fouls. Duke was ahead with six seconds to go, and they kicked off, and they, they had three – fouls on the return and scored and beat Duke. There were three blocks in the back. They had 12 men on the field, one guy without a helmet. It was a travesty. They fired all the uh, referees. Right. <laughs> That's in the newspaper today. And my grandson, um, Max McCaffrey, he had a good game. He had 90, 90 yards receiving, nine receptions. So he's a good kid, too. And if you want to see a picture of me racing Bobby Morrow, yeah. it's on Google. Okay. Pull, pull it up on Google and, and, and type in Dave Sim versus Bobby Morrow, 1957, Big Springs, Texas. And I'll show you the rest. That's when he got back from the Olympics. He won. The guy that, that I had beaten every time I raced him on, on, until I got injured, he won three gold medals. And so that that was the first race. And uh, you can see the race live. It's on, it's on Google. You can pull it up. Okay, cool. And just, I did win. I did win. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and just one last question. I was just kind of curious. Like, what does it feel like to just fly down the track? Like, it must be a great feeling. Yeah, it feels wonderful. Yeah, it was a big thrill. Yeah, it was a big thrill to get. Particularly if you're, you know, you, you have you're under control, and the key is, you know, you got to relax the last thirty yards. You don't you don't push it hard, hard, hard. You just relax, and all that momentum that you built up comes out and you just feel like you're flying it's a wonderful feeling cool well thanks a lot for your time yeah it was really fun talking to oh. you and okay well good luck to you yeah thank, thanks for talking to me and um okay yeah, good best of luck you take care all right you too thanks all right. all right bye so big thanks to dave for talking to me that was a lot of fun it's funny i don't normally watch college game day but i dvr'd it on halloween because i'm both a philadelphia sports fan and a notre dame fan 
Uh, and it was a big day for Philly because College Game Day was in town at Independence Mall for Notre Dame versus Temple. Uh, and I fast-forwarded through most of this show, but I watched the Christian McCaffrey feature, and it was fun to see the mention and photo of Dave. Uh, one thing I thought of after the fact that would have been nice to ask him would have been, what was it like at the starting line for a big 100-meter race like the Olympics? Um, you know, it's quiet right before the gun goes off, and then you look ahead and you see your lane uh, in a straight line and know that everything you worked for is about to take place in 10 seconds. It must be a surreal feeling. Um, but thanks for listening to the podcast. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to get in touch with me by email at sweeto37 at gmail.com or on Twitter at Project MacGyver. Uh, you can also visit my blog and see my podcast archive, uh, which now consists of two episodes, uh, at themacgyverproject.blogspot.com. Thanks, and see you next time.